Good morning. This is Gaming Perspectives with Saul and Jolene. And today we're talking about are there tabletop role-playing games with social rules or good social rules? Social conflict rules. I don't know what that means, but... Social combat? I don't think there's social combat, but whatever. I think sometimes people think that there's social combat in a way like real combat, right? That people are trying to angle, get an angle on each other or a, a, what do you call that? Edge on one another. They spend an edge? No, no. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Not specifically Shadowrun Edge. Uh, When they're trying to get over on somebody else. So... I don't know about that. Some people might consider that like social combat. I don't know about the term social combat. I don't know if somebody actually said that in what you read. But what I looked up, I didn't really see that. I saw saw people, and I don't want to use the word complaining. I want to use the word (laughs) trying to figure out how to make stuff better. I'm going with that. I don't know if I believe it, but I'm going with it. Trying to ascertain what is going on? That's that's usually in a Jane Austen novel. <laughs> so, uh, what were they complaining about? Exactly? I didn't use. I said I wasn't using the word complaining. What, what possibly could it have been griping about? <laughs> so, I think there's the griping on both sides. Uh-oh. I don't know that there's that sides. <laughs> well, there, okay, I'm an older gamer. I've mentioned that before for uh, many years. There's certain issues that never came up. I can't think of many right now, but one of them is this idea of social conflict within a role playing game and how to deal with that. In our game, in our, I think if you start off like I did, learning how to play D and D with the original rules, which were very war game like. Well, there's that. It did come from this game called chainmail or developed from chainmail but on over that it was also you're right it was very warlike and very miniature based based combat like so that's i think that's one of the things when you say social combat i go well are you going to put your pieces out uh, on the on the mat and draw what's going to happen i don't think so for if you're going to try to convince somebody of something you're just going to say it i understand where people have issues with this because they're saying that there's no rules to assist you to do that. Why should it just be a one role and either you did it or you didn't? But that's that's basically what you're doing, right? You're you're saying this is what I want to do. I'm going to talk to this person and I'm going to persuade them to come over to our side or I'm going to persuade them that we should be able to do this. So that's a social interaction, right? Right. With some with someone that's not in your in your party group side. <laughs> so there's skills for those kind of things, right? But yeah. a lot of the ta- a lot of things and I think one of the biggest problems currently is that there's a lot of mini maxers out there. Oh. So you want to have a really really strong fighter so you you cut your charisma. Oh, I see. And you go with all strength or dexterity or agility, whatever, whatever the skill is, whatever the attribute, attribute is. And you you bump up your character to be such a tank that he can't have a conversation with anybody because his charisma is eight and his willpower is six. I think in most games where power gamers like that exist, 
it never comes up, right? Uh, they're making a combat-focused character, and social interaction is uh, something that doesn't really occur in their games, or they don't participate when that type of element is in the is in the game. I think, or they just ignore the rules and they just talk. If there if there are people who have uh, eloquent speaking skills and stuff like that, they'll just ignore the rules that say, well. Your charisma is like six, and uh, you're speaking like you have a higher charisma, and and you have or, or have a higher intelligence and stuff like that. So I think it, those types of RP role playing elements really don't for those power gamers. It seems it doesn't matter, or they're just ignored later on by both player and GM. Or and, as one of the people that we read said, he specifically builds a power a power um fighter so that he doesn't have to have any social interactions because he's uncomfortable with talking in front of people right in fact in a lot of times i've seen that i read that or read similar comments by people who put down when they go to a a convention game or they start playing a game and they have pre-made characters they will shy away from the sorcerer which i guess because they have usually a high charisma and a a bard because they're the ones who also have a high charisma but also who are supposed to be like the the face or the the representative of the group so in a modern game not a D game and some other kind of game they would shy away from the same kind of pl- things right the the face of the group right the the person who shadowrun would be the the well in shadowrun it totally depends on on how you choose to make your character whether you whether you, you can talk to people in a in a kind way or not well there would be the uh, the street samurai right yeah. instead of the they actually have the, a face man yeah uh not a class a, but a street archetype. samurai can talk to people it's just that they may seem intimidating with their either their katanas hanging over their shoulder or all the guns that they have about their person. I thought you said they talk with their katanas and their and Mac tens or something. Well, they do, but a lot of people don't don't take kindly to such things. So another thing is is that I noticed that people who were saying that there's no social interaction rules i, I kind of thought that was kind of weird because you pointed out rules right away like in D and you pointed out rules in in Shadowrun that deal with exactly that social interaction whether dealing with interrogation persuasion uh there i don't know about in Shadowrun specifically they have etiquette Etiquette, that's the word. That's the one. And that was one of the, the big things I really liked with the first time I made a character in Shadowrun was the idea that you could actually form your character to be the one that's talking, right? And so if that's your thing, you want to be the out in the front and making the deals and right. and um, getting your, your runners ready to go and and interacting. I said and way too many times in that sentence. That's fine. Interacting with the uh, with the other the non-player characters or the world in Shadowrun, you can actually build your skills to do that. And one of the people that I was reading made a comment that they didn't want it to be just a I'm going to say I do this and I'm going to roll the dice and the dice are going to determine whether it's successful or not. Right? I think that the 
that was the point, but it, he, the, I think it was a he, but the person who wrote that comment also said they didn't like the idea that they would roll once and then be able to control somebody or totally charm somebody. And I think it was a dig at D&D where you can do this charm spell. And <clears throat> and it, I, I, I think it's people who don't want their agency taken away, their, their player agency. And it's something that that they don't like the idea that the one thing that they can control, one character in the world, can be so easily taken over by a simple spell and a and a one roll failure. And I think that the idea that it should be this ongoing kind of of a, of a thing instead of just one roll. I think somebody also mentioned the game, the One Ring, because it has quite a bit of rules about how to deal with interacting with people who are important, kings, uh, wealthy people. And they tell you, you know, there's different ways of interacting with people who are, are like dignitaries and stuff. And they go, you can use riddle or you can use lore. And it's just like ongoing game. What are you going to say to them? And then you would roll riddle to see how successful you are in your, in your introduction of yourself and, and, or, or carrying the conversation. And they say it should be this long process where of trying to gain favor of this person who could or could not be a patron future patron of yours and i think that's very interesting a lot of people pointed out the one ring did they as a as, as a good thing or a bad thing as a good thing okay. as a good way as, as having good social interaction skills right and how to deal with it more than just there's still one. skills though right right Instead so of if just you don't lore. have lore then or riddle. or riddle then you have to Either ask somebody else in the group who does have it. That's correct. Which is which is part of social interaction, right? Getting the people on your side to help you with this. But also, it also shows that even in, in older games, D&D and, and Shadowrun, they have the same kind of things, right? It's persuasion or... And not only that, I think more importantly, it's how the GM uses the rules or adjust them to the players at the table. I think you're right. I think that's that's the key. I think when you look at rules of D&D, it was a like interrogation, persuasion is like one role. And a lot of people think that being able to convince somebody of something it just not just being this really high role that you need to roll, but once you achieve it, it's done and they think of it as that's just one role and it's too easy, but it's really not just one role because you have to. Usually, you're if you're trying to persuade something of, of somebody of something, the GM is going to make you you say, say exactly what what you're doing, and then you can roll the dice. He's not going to let you do the whole thing at one time. Well, I want to persuade him to let us into the castle and take us to the prisoner and help us to get the prisoner back out. Oh, it's going to be one roll at a time on the way. Well, there's that, but I, yeah, I, I think you're right. I don't think there's any problem with that kind of way of dealing with that situation. But I, I'm not sure the the person complained about the rules was uh, the rules don't help you in that kind of role playing, in that kind of role playing. And I think a lot of people think 
when they read the rules, it's oh, I just got to roll once and then I'm done. And for for the person, there was a post on Twitter, I believe, which I don't like Twitter, but there it is. And he was, I would say, complaining uh, that that was too simple of a thing for a con, a complex social interaction to just leave it to one role. But I think that's very heavy-handed if that person complained about that because I don't think just because the rules don't give you ideas, the ideas or explain. Or unlike the one ring where it says this person is going to take a while to be convinced of your not being a deceitful, cheating person. Because in the one ring uh, with the situation of the, the, the current situation you're playing in, people are very distrustful of strangers, you know. And so there's a lot of would, shadow. So they would need to be convinced that you are a person of good intention. And, and so there's this constant, uh, not a constant, but there's this long, lengthy way of gaining somebody's favor or convincing them that you're not a bad person. But also in the one But ring, in the D&D rules, it just doesn't really say that. It doesn't doesn't give you that, that kind of guidance. It just says roll, that you got to roll above a 17 to be able to convince Charlie that they should let him in or whatever the guard to let him into the to the gate. I know that in Pathfinder, which is very crunchy, right? that when you do rolls for certain things, social things, it depends on what you roll, how much information you get, or you have to get a success. You have to meet the number to right. get certain information. And the higher you roll over that, sometimes they'll give you a little bit more information. Correct. And I think a lot of games have that kind of aspect to them. Right. But I think the biggest thing that maybe behind the I don't want to use the word complaint because I don't think it's really a complaint I think it's like a a cry for help that the rules aren't helping me and I think it's it's more people who are uncomfortable with role playing or they want it to be they're like the rules lawyer who wants to make sure the game is even everybody there should be rules to help people who are uncomfortable with the role playing aspect or at least that's kind of the vibe I got off of these questions. Yeah, I understand that. And I think a lot of people are trying to deal with this influx of a, a lot of people playing role-playing games. And some of these people have, like, social anxiety. They're extremely shy and other other issues like that. And I think when you try to play with them, sometimes they have an issue with being very... They're uncomfortable letting go and just be going into this immersing themselves in this world and right. being there right and so when you play with somebody like that i think sometimes people who are wanting a better social conflict set of rules are people like that right who don't like talking a lot and don't like being the center of attention very much and rather just have a nice set of rules that they can look at and be able to just roll and and deal with those kind of situations that they feel uncomfortable role-playing at the table. And especially with strangers. I think we're dealing with people who are uh, have anxiety with strangers, or even in your own group. Um, that's never happened that I remember with my group. I, I keep saying that I'm an old gamer, and I am. I, I started playing in, when I was 11 in 1978, and, and all my friends were playing, started playing around that time. My brother was a little bit older than me. He was about four or five years older than me. But still, we were all learning at the same time, discovering this game at the same time, trying to interpret the game at the same time. 
And fortunately for me, I don't think anybody in my group was shy. I mean, I'm looking at Esteban, Sip, Felipe, Mike. Well, you guys were all, but the, there, there's a comfort level also with, yeah. with how comfortable you are with the people that you're playing with, right? right. You're, the people that you've been playing with since you were 11, you're yes. still playing with them. Right. And the people that you've picked up along the way have all been very gregarious and very outspoken. I don't think there's too many people, although some of them might say they're introverts. <laughs> I, I, at sitting at a gaming table with them, I, I would You've disagree. I haven't seen, seen it. But I have been in games when, like running games for kids where you want to help them to, right. to, to develop those right. skills and you want to make them feel comfortable about it. <coughs> I've also been in games at conventions where there were people who were like very timid and didn't want to talk. Right. And I can understand that. I've been there. I was in once in a, a Doctor Who game. Oh, yeah. I remember. Talking. And I remember the people were like all over the top. And I was well, just like super fans. They were super fans. And I was sitting there going, whoa, this is like there were a lot of people, too. There were like eight players. And I was I was just sitting there going, OK, this is what I want to do. But I wasn't I was not like feeling the vibe of being out there and in the character. Yeah. So I can understand the. I don't know these people, and my comfort level is very low. Which is weird because you are a you are a Doctor Who, Fu, Doctor Who fan yourself, so you, it it would seem that you would be in your element. But because they were really into it, you seem intimidated. I mean, uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, and that's kind of strange because like I thought you would have had a great time in that game. I did have a good time, but I was not very extra. When it was my turn, I said, yeah. "This is what I want to do," and I wasn't like. I felt more like, this is what I want to do, here's what I want to do, but I didn't give it any, like, role-playing experience, uh, right? Yes, yes. You weren't in character too much. No. Yeah, and, and that does happen when, when you're at a table and everybody else is super really into it and you're like, okay, yeah, and might be intimidated by the other players. I remember you mentioned kids, and I, I did run a lot of kid games at the conventions. I haven't lately because... Well, the boys I, aren't kids anymore. Right. Well, I, I did run because my son was small, and I wanted him to be... Excited. Excited, and I wanted something for him to do in a role-playing aspect, because sometimes there's a lot of board games and stuff for little kids, but a lot of people didn't run... RPGs for kids and and I was like yeah I run RPGs and I run I ran a lot of uh, Gamma World I ran even some D&D games and I think I ran I don't know I ran all kinds of games and then later on as my son grew o older they have a teen room at the local game conventions and I ran Star Trek Adventures which always had a table full of adults and one teenager which was still the teenagers fun. have priority right. but Star Trek is like, and I ran in the teen room and the kids room, and and it didn't matter. The, the, the adults could adults could apply or not apply, but uh, sign up for the game. But teens would get preference, and for some reason, my games weren't that appealing to teens. I don't know what happened, and my son stopped playing with me when he was at conventions. At conventions when he was about twelve or thirteen, and then he would go off and play other games. But I still ran games because the lady in charge of the teen room and the kids room kept asking me to run games because we need kids at kids room games i go i'll do it i just kept doing it anyway so where was i going with that one the comfort zone yeah there was this one 
there's these two kids actually. They were brother and sister, and the sister was younger, and she was cute as a button. She was this little girl, and she, and uh, never played a role playing game. And we were playing Gamma World, and she didn't even know what to pick. Like, you know, I had all the pre-gen characters, and then everybody would pick the ones they wanted, and then there were only a few left. It was a small table of five, but I always made, like, eight or nine characters. And uh, so I listed the ones, the, the not the monsters, but the characters, and she picked the one based on a cockroach. And then, uh, and so I would really go over what they could do, right? You know, the, your your character can, when you get attacked, you can do this, this. So when you want to do something, you can. There's your skills and stuff. And then she realized that one of her attacks was spitting this acid stuff. And every time she got into combat, I would, you know, she could, she could, you know, use a sword or or, or a club and all this other stuff. And she goes, "I want to spit." <laughs> and so it was very cute to see her do that. And she, her, and uh, and uh, and her brother would come back to my table year after year. We would play Gown World or some other game. And slowly, her shyness went away because she was like a, a I hate to say a repeat customer, but a repeat gamer to my table. And by by the time the last game, I I played with her or she played with us. She was, the shyness was gone. She was. She was also a little older. And she was a little older. Yeah, yeah, right. And I think that was very interesting for me to see that. And then that does happen, right? When you're new to the game and other people are not, you are a little bit intimidated about the, about the situation. And, and there is that social anxiety of, well, how do I, how do I act? How do I do things? And because our role playing games is not a, a skill or something that is is really pushed into society. So, and then I, I have had adult people like that. Like I ran Star Trek Adventures again in the teen room, but it was a bunch of adults and one teenager, and one had never played before. One had never played a role playing game, so I'm like, Ugh, you know, I was the, the pressure was on. But she did really really well. She was a fan of Star Trek and was very happy to play pretend. And once she once she knew what what the table was all about, it was like okay, she understood what what the role playing deal was. She and Star Trek Adventures or st- whatever it was the, Star Trek Adventures, whatever Star Trek. If you're a Star Trek fan, that's a great gateway role playing game for for people to come in because there's this one guy and I don't remember his name who runs Star Trek all the time at the conventions he's a really nice guy and he has he has a, a enterprise bridge model and he has little action figures if you know the genre you're like oh this is really cool so i wasn't uncomfortable in that game at all but also that had to do with you were there and jonah was there oh yeah and that made me feel really comfortable being able because i know you guys right right so I wasn't nervous because sometimes I get nervous around for some reason at conventions playing in games where I don't know the people and I don't know why because once you sit down and play with them you realize that they're just like all the other people you play with right (laughs) but there's that kind of scary factor at first but you just have to keep doing it until you feel comfortable with it but Star Trek Trek Adventures was was a lot of fun and I think I played Worf. And I had a lot of fun doing that. I think you played Gaina when we were when we played. Yeah, and it was weird because like I'm like, how do I play Gaina? Because I'm not a wise person, and she's very you know soft spoken and talks in this way that makes people go, oh yeah, that makes sense. I have no clue as to how to say that. <laughs> say the things that she did. I'm not a fan enough to like maybe even repeat some of the lines she ever said. 
So I was completely lost, and I'm like... But you just did it anyway. I, well, I you know, wanted to play, and, and it was the only character left. I think everybody... By the time I showed up, it seemed like everybody already had their characters, and it had been like an ongoing game because other players had already played in this game, mm-hmm. other people. So like this... this I, don't, I don't know if I want to say his name, but he had fans of his game because they were Star Trek fans, and he ran a Star Trek game. And they had already played in previous games, so they were like, oh, this is my character. And they, and I could tell that they had already staked out and already played out those characters. Well, sometimes if you go into a genre game, like when I was playing that Doctor Who game, the there was a, a girl that came in with a with a fez on. And, fez on her head. And I saw that. I knew that she was going to play Doctor Who just by looking at her because she was like, you know, this is who I am. Did she have a coat too? Yes. Yes. It was a very, it was a very cool, it was a very interesting experience. That was run by Mike, right? Uh, Yes. Right. Yeah, I think that does happen. You go into a room and there's complete strangers there and you're like, uh, might be intimidated. I understand, I understand that. I don't know if I've ever been intimidated by going to a game. You show. you're not you're you do not have the same personality that I do, dude. I don't know. I I, I when I'm asked to to do things, uh, I recently at work we are doing these lean-in circles where we're supposed to where we're supposed to interact with our with our fellow <laughs> our fellows at work and and i told Saul, i go i just looked at the questions and wrote down just answers that were neutral and i ended up having and every answer i gave they were like amazed with and i'm just sitting there going okay i don't know what these people are amazed. I mean, it worked right because yeah. you were able to make a connection to the other people in your group and they were very excited to like learn stuff from you and they're like oh I know I do that too or whatever and I was like I'm just here because I have to be <laughs> that's what I, I'm thinking right because it's for work and 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 it was a it was and you're a, not that type of person to, to I am not to a share touchy feet I do not yeah. especially at work I'm yeah. a, I'm a yeah I'm, I'm here to do my job please leave me alone. <laughs> accurately describes you i don't think a lot of people are like that i mean i don't know i i have that same issue at work where i'm just here but role-playing helped me to be able to do that right right. i looked at what the questions were and i go okay and i didn't think it in my head i'm gonna play this like a blah 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 yeah i just i just looked at the questions i go okay these are the questions they're asking these are the most neutral because i do not like to divulge information about myself at work so, well, is, they're your coworkers, not your friends, right? Exactly. Right. And so I, there's different yeah. levels of so, but playing role playing games like at conventions and stuff is a lot different because you feel you feel more comfortable with those people, even if you're intimidated at first by a, a table full of people you don't know. You do know they are gamers, so that you, gives you a comfort zone, and you're not right? Playing yourself, right? Right. You're playing a, a role, and I think that gives you a little bit of a. For me, it, it allows me not to be myself, and and if people don't like me, well, they probably didn't like my character or the way I played my character, and not necessarily didn't like me. Right. <laughs> At least I, I say to myself every time I play. So, what are some of the ideas that you can think of that would help GMs to make people who feel that there aren't social rules within the game that are that allow them to explore their character and play comfortably if there's someone sitting at the table that is uncomfortable what are some of the things that gms could do to make them feel comfortable wow that's a i don't know that's a big uh, that's a lot of that's a tall order i think what you can do is read the room as a gm you always have to like figure out what people 
whether they're your friends that you've been playing for a long time or when you step in or when you're at a convention and and I'm I'm the nervous convention GM, right? I always he get, always gets nervous before I he hope, runs a game. Like though, he hasn't run it 500 times. Though this one I feel pretty good about. But no, I, and when he gets there, his stomach's <laughs> going to be upset. He's going to be, I need a couple hours. He's going to sit down and relax before he runs the game because he doesn't want anyone to, to not have a good time. Yes, it's a curse being that I have. <laughs> not want to disappoint people. But I, I, you're right. I, I am that way. And so I get nervous and I get like, I need, like, you're right. I go, oh, my game's in an hour and a half. I'm going to go to the room and probably take a shower decompress for a little while write some notes down and then like jolene and then people go are you okay and then jolene goes yeah he's fine fine just just leave him alone let him let him go go have his little crisis (laughs) before he runs his game (laughs) so i i do know what anxiety is but it's a different performance anxiety at that because like that's how i feel is that i'm gonna put on a game and i want people to enjoy themselves and because in a little in a little way i feel that you're responsible responsible for putting on a good game that People should will will have a good time because that's what, the whole reason they come to a convention. That's why I go to a convention, and I've only been really disappointed a couple of times as far as role playing games, and that's a hum- tremendous track record for all my fellow GMs out there. Sure, some of them weren't fantastic games, so so but you we re- have a good time when we get to the table. So you read the room. So I read the room as a GM, right? When people you, immediately when people. Or I usually put the like a not the characters sheets out there, but I put the pictures of the characters, and I usually get a, a index card and I write what the character types are, like an archetype, maybe a short description of the character, and I leave that on the table. And before I before in a long time ago, I used to have like a like a a dossier. No, I well I still do that, but I used to have like a little like a a list of the characters, and you get to vote which one you want, and blah blah blah, and it 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 was a big huge deal that didn't need to be done, right? So I, I just let, I just tell them, okay, these are the characters. You can look at the character sheets if you find one that looks kind of interesting and you guys can decide whether you got, how you guys want to choose your character. You can just say, oh, I, I want to play this one or this one. Does anyone have any preference? You can arm wrestle, you can thumb wrestle, you can uh, you can go into fist fights about it, but I would suggest not doing that. You know, just to break, just to break, break the out. ice. Break the ice. And people laugh and or don't laugh because of my dumb joke. And then they usually just say, well, and then usually what happens is, I, I would, wouldn't mind playing this one or that one. I have a real strong preference for this one. I feel strongly about this or whatever, right? And that tells me, like the first person to talk, okay, that guy has no problem talking in front of the right, group. and then it goes, and then yes. it goes, be, be, and then it goes in order. Like, okay, another person will say something, and then the last person to talk is usually somebody who's a little bit shyer than than anybody else. He goes, well, I'll play whatever's left, or it. None of these really make any difference to me, or they, or they don't say, it. or they don't say anything. So I'm like, okay, that's the one you don't want to give the captain to, right? <laughs> that's the one that the the face probably that maybe they will be good, but maybe they. Well, they won't be I, comfortable. And I don't give the characters to anybody. I know. Right? So they choose among themselves. And I think that's a good way of of figuring things out. Of, what is it? Uh, paying attention to the room. Which is a skill that Saul is not innately have, paying attention to the room. <laughs> He's learned it, but it's not. it doesn't come easily to him. Reading people is not a good skill for Saul. 
Okay, I, I can read people. I think I'm pretty good at reading people. What I'm not good at are reading people who BS a lot. So that that's my weakness, right? That's my kryptonite. The people who lie for whatever reason. And that's outside the RPG room. So usually I'm okay with everybody else in the room, uh, at a game room. Although he so, is learning. So, so, so I think... That can be very, as a GM, you have to, like, even before the game starts, that tells you a lot of information, what's going on. I remember when I ran uh, my Dresden game, there was a girl, oh, girl, there was a lady who was very young, and she had never played before and was somebody's girlfriend, and the somebody was not there. The, You've told this story before. Right, somebody else had brought, you know, like, a group of friends, and her boyfriend had gone and played with some other game. She just tagged along with one of his friends and she, she was extremely shy and i had a really tough time trying to get her out of her shell and i literally didn't and i'm like at one point i go okay she's she's not gonna budge right that's fine she's just gonna tell me what she wants to do and even then she had a hard time but i never see as a as a gm that's what you if the person is very uncomfortable speaking in front of people you might say and a lot of people i've heard people say this well why are they in a role-playing game if they're uncomfortable, right? But then you look at this one, Her she came with her boyfriend and his friend, right. and he left her, and she's just there in this environment that she's never been in before. Right. So you can see why she might be uncomfortable. Oh, yeah. So your job as the GM, and a lot of people say it's not really the, the GM's job, but I disagree. It is your job to make sure everybody at that table is comfortable and having a good right, time. That's true. So what you need to do is you need to look at that person and go judge it in your head. Okay, she's not going to come up. She's not going to be a great role player. She's not going to come out and, and role play what she wants to do. So give her options. Would you like to do this or this? That's this exactly. is what will happen if you do this. This is what will happen if you do that. Just let us know what you want to do and make her as comfortable as possible or him. And a lot of guys are uncomfortable too. And I found that telling people it's okay to talk in the third person or whatever, right. whatever person, I, my character would like to do this. And you can usually tell how people feel about role playing if they're going, well, this is what I'm doing. Or right. if they just start talking in their character and you realize that that's the way they're going to play the game. And then there's other people who will go, well, my character would like to do this. And then you can tell how comfortable they are with role playing, right? right. So you got to take into consideration everybody's comfort levels, and that will help with the social interaction. Right. I totally agree. And the problem I had with that game, not a problem I had with that game, but in bringing her out of her shell, in a sense, is that everybody else at the table was super experienced and had super strong characteristics or personalities. Yeah. Jonah was in that game. There was another lady who had, like, she was like an actress or something or a budding actress, and I'm like... And then everybody else had like tons of experience. And here's a shy person, first time player or had never played before, not played very often. And let's face it, going to a convention is kind of a weird experience if you've never been to one. Whether it's Comic Con or something like that, you're going to walk around going with your mouth wide open and you're like, what the heck is going on here? And at a role playing convention or a game convention, it could be even weirder. So... I never got her out of her shell. I got her to say things every once in a while, and that was freaking cool. To was me. she at least smiling? Uh, at the very end, yeah. She said, and then I asked, it, was it okay? She goes, yeah, I had a really good time. And then she said exactly, it was, it was, it was like a movie or like a TV show. I'm like, that's all we're doing. We're pretending. <laughs> and she, she smiled at that. And she goes, that was pretty cool. And I'm like, okay, good. 
And so I've had always, not always, but I usually have very good experiences with those are the two experiences I had with two people who have never played before. And I even said it. I go, well, if this is your first RPG, please understand that I'm not the best GM out there. So there's other GMs that play different types of games. They, they run a different style of game and they play a little differently. So if my way of running the game isn't to your style, you don't like it. There's other people who have a totally different style and you might find something that you like. One game cannot represent every type of style or, or way of running a game out there. So, but usually uh, the two people I, I I had, they had a good time. They were very entertained, they said, etc. So I think social interaction and rules and stuff, I think you're right. I think they go beyond the page of what is written. And you have to, as a GM, realize that not everybody has the same level of comfort level than everybody else. Even... I was going to say about my my old group when I was a kid. No, nobody was shy in our group, right? But there was Esteban who was, I remember, and I still remember to this day, we were playing pretty late and we were like tired and we were playing in my mom's kitchen. And we were playing, it was like 2 o'clock in the morning, 3 o'clock. And Esteban uh, had, it was like tired, right? And he goes, and he literally gets up off the table and I don't think, I don't know who was running, whether me or Felipe was running. And he goes, he goes, wake me up when the combat, when the fighting starts. <laughs> and he went to my living room and laid down on the couch and proceeded to fall asleep. And it was, we all just kind of looked at each other and kind of laughed. And, uh, and I thought it was pretty funny. But see, if it was a shy person, they would not say that, right? They would like, they wouldn't even, uh, they wouldn't say that. But so I had... I had a lot of strong personalities in my table, and I never dealt with a really shy person. I mean, just really didn't. And if if I did, as a young person playing at the at the scout house or at the public library where my my brother set up a a club, a gaming club, I probably wasn't paying attention if there was any. But uh, I never really did run run into any shy people playing. But then again, I'm not sure. I mean, like I said, the, I wasn't. I you might have not noticed. I may have not noticed at the time. But I think when we when we look at social rules and stuff, there are a lot of social rules in games. I think people just have to, uh, if they don't like the way the rules are written or they don't like the way the rules work, you're, most people will just change them. You are allowed to change them. Right. There is. I mean, there's nothing saying that the, anything is written in, in iron and cannot be changed. In, in fact, most role-playing games say these are just guidelines. This is just the way we want to present them and if you don't like something about it use it change it discard it that's almost every set of rules says that in the in a preface or in an introduction that these are just guidelines for you to make and play the game that you want to play and i think a lot of people seem to forget that or if they're newer to role playing they may not realize that that's what people do i think you're right some people say oh that's in the rules and that's the only way to play the rules lawyers, the people who take comfort in knowing the rules and the rules will be applied evenly. Right. And without any, uh, what is that, bias to you. Some people are really worried about being cheated differently than other players. But but for the most part, I think uh, most GMs out there are are pretty good at A lot of, uh, most role-playing games, you adjust little rules that you don't like, right? That's true. Most people do have house rules, as we call them. Yeah. Homebrews. So there you go. Is that all you wanted to say? Yes. So you're comfortable. I'm okay. <laughs> okay. So good luck. Just remember, it's all about your comfort level and try to enjoy yourself. And if you're uncomfortable with the social interactions, maybe let your GM know 
and right. come up with ways to, to make yourself more comfortable. Right. So there you go. This is Gaming Perspectives with Saul and Jolene. And you have a good day.